0: Welcome to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Each week, I bring the world of hunting, fishing, and conservation to you. From the great hunting and fishing opportunities found in the Americas, to the dream safaris located on the dark continent beyond, I'll introduce you to those who are already out in the field living every outdoor enthusiast's dream, as well as outfitters and gear manufacturers that can make those dreams your reality. Killin' Sticks arrows are for the serious hunter, a company that understands the needs of the outdoorsman and provides five different styles of carbon fiber arrows, ranging from hunting to tournament arrows. If you want premium carbon fiber arrows, go to Killin' Sticks, K-I-L-L-N-S-T-I-X.com to review their carbon arrows. For listeners of the Outdoor Adventures with Jason show, use promo code OUTDOORS to get 10% off your first order. Killin' Sticks, where the blood trail begins. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Outdoor Adventures with Jason. I'm really excited today, I've got Mark Martinon, who's a professional walleye fisherman. Mark, how are
1: you?
2: I'm excellent. I just uh, got back from uh, over in uh, Minnesota at Rogers, uh, Minnesota at Clam, and and then came back through the UP, did a little lake trout fishing in the Keweenaw here yesterday, and visited some friends and uh so now i got a lot of sit behind the computer work and mail to take care of so it's always something and then get ready to take off here again uh promoting fishing uh however and wherever i can
0: for the listeners i'm going to give you mark's background and this is really amazing mark's been making a living for what 39 plus years in the t- fishing tournaments walleye tournaments Writing, guest hosting, doing radio and TV spots, seminars, fishing schools, and writing about fishing. He's the only person to qualify for every professional uh, walleye tournament championship and also make the championships in a number of other tournaments that are running, including uh, the Masters Walleye Circuit and the Michigan Walleye Tour. And he's had, what is it, Mark, three best selling books a video yep. on walleye fishing he fished well over 300 plus walleye tournaments with five wins and more than 40 uh, top 10 finishes so if i want to talk to somebody about walleye fishing you're the man to do it so i welcome you to get into the show
2: <laughs> well thank you very much jason i i've, I've put in my time i guess and you and I, and I enjoy sharing my time that i've put in and try to help people not make as many mistakes as I have so they are more successful in the limited time they got to be out there on the water trying to catch fish, you know? So, you know, I, like I say, the only way you can get good is to put, get yourself out there and make mistakes. And if you're not making mistakes, you're not learning. And, and, uh, I, I it, it's funny when people say stuff to me, you know, like, well, you know what? What else is there to learn about walleye fishing? They learn a few different things, and they think that's the only way you can do it, and and uh, or they tell me they know everything about it, and I go, well, I guess it's to, I, I'm just wasting my time talking to you. I, I, I think in my head, I guess I go, oh, I got to walk this way. So, to me, <laughs> the only time I'm not gonna learn anything is uh, when I pass away and they put me in the ground and, you know, hopefully during my my time here uh, I, I can make somebody's life happy and pass the knowledge that I have attained uh, along the line to everybody that either has read my books, listened to me on podcasts, listened to me radio and TV and made, made a little, um, you know, gave them a little bit of knowledge so they can catch one more fish tomorrow.
0: Well, and that's the great part is I grew up in Michigan, and I grew up on the east side of the state, so opposite from where you're at, and we fished the St. Clair River, Lake Huron, and as a kid, when you were told you were going to go walleye fishing, that was a big excitement, and sometimes we just fished them from the banks there in the St. Clair River using uh, nightcrawler harnesses. So, you know, you hear somebody talking about one of your major backers, Lund Boats, that was always the boat that everybody wanted was a Lund and still does because they're just a quality product. Getting your books, getting your video, it's all been fantastic to learn from you.
2: Well, thank you very much, Jason. I appreciate that. You know I, you know, I definitely believe in my Lund boats. I like I tell people when I see them at sports shows and I'm in a Lund booth of somebody, I always tell them... It, it, it's your insurance policy because it will get you out of something that you didn't intend to get yourself into and I'll swear by it because I've been in some of the worst conditions in my Lund boat conditions most people will never ever see, but that Lund got me back safe and sound every time.
0: Oh, and yeah, they're they're just they're known for being a boat that can tackle that that Great Lakes water with with just ease.
2: Yeah, it been developed, uh, you know, they, they listen to all their Lund pros and try to incorporate that little uh, bit of knowledge that each one of us has into uh, each and every Lund. And, and by listening to us, they get a greater boat all the time.
0: Well, Mark, did you grow up uh, fishing? I mean, kind of a dumb question for anybody in the Great Lakes area, but was this something that was passed on from your parents to you?
2: Well, yeah, yeah. I, I would think uh, you know I got to give my grandpa and dad a lot of credit for taking me, you know, in my early years and, and stealing fishing into my blood. You know, to create the monster that I am. I guess that I can't get enough fishing. Of it doesn't matter if it's walleye or whatever, as long as I'm fishing, I'm happy. And uh, if I'm talking about it, I'm happy. I always had that, uh, you know, once my dad and grandpa started showing me and taking me on varieties of different kinds of waters and variety of different kinds of fish. Uh, Walleye was their favorite, so it became my favorite. And I learned more, you know, I learned about a lot of species of fish, but I learned one thing is that all those techniques i will work on all the other fish species out there will work on walleyes. They're a, they're a fish that of many different uh, bodies of water, many different uh, methods of fishing. Um, salmon method, methods can take them, dipsy divers, downriggers, lead core. They can take walleyes. You can take your bobbers for bluegills or slip bobbers and put leeches and little jigs on them and, and catch walleyes. You can uh, take crankbaits that you'd cast for bass and pike and everything and catch, catch walleyes on, you know, crawler hunting. I mean, every method out there that, you, as strictly what you feel is for one species of fish relate back in some way or manner or fashion to being able to have a technique at a certain time of year to catch a walleye. So mastering all that aspects of all these other fish allow you to catch more walleye and once you um you know if you go to try to catch walleye you're going to catch all the other fish because you're doing the technique right to catch any other species that may be around those walleyes at the time so don't be surprised if you're yeah you're, you're intended to catch walleye with that bottom bouncer and spinner because that's what you're reading, uh, Latest article I wrote or you read it in my book or you read it in somebody else's article or book or seen it on TV. Don't be surprised if you pull a northern pike out or you get a muskie <laughs> or you get a sheephead or perch, bass, or bluegill. So, you know, that's what I tell people. It's mastering the methods um, of all the species that allow you to get better at walleye.
0: Yeah, they're definitely a versatile fish from types uh, of of equipment to use to location from north texas where they have them where i'm at all the way up to you know to basically the tundra lines there's walleye located and in just general a lot lot of times just great numbers so fun fish and when they hit they they can hammer it
2: yeah, and they taste good too. <laughs> well, that's the best part. <laughs> so, yeah, t- no, and I and, and because of my grandpa and dad, you know, showing me all these techniques and and you know the other thing is I didn't elaborate on is everybody thinks their walleye special like you can only catch them on this in my lake. Well, they might not know the other methods to put on their lake to f- catch even more and and uh you know if i went down to when i did go down to texas before and catch them i was using methods that i used right here on muskegon lake you know and and vice versa whatever little nuance was there in texas on that reservoir i brought it maybe over to the uh, mississippi river or to uh, fort peck in montana to but the other thing is, is growing up with my dad and grandpa and still in it at, you know, and I say I was probably, you know, I was the excuse that they got to fish more, you know, because <laughs> they were, they were, they, they used me, but I don't care if you're going to use me, use me for fishing, I guess. You, you use it to get out of the house, you know, get it out of the yard work, you know, <laughs> Mark's got to go fishing. That's what they always used to say. My grandpa would tell me to go in and uh, tell Grandma that you need to go fishing because he was doing the the yard. And I said, "Well, Grandpa, you got to mow the lawn, and uh, you got to go fishing." <laughs> <laughs> I get it, Grandpa. Okay, and then he, <laughs> we go fishing, you know. <laughs> so you know, it was uh, a, a fun thing, but you know, I guess when I got to be about five years old, I my dad asked me a question he had a reel-to-reel tape uh system he was asking my sister what she wanted to be or what she wanted to do and both of us really and she wanted to be a nurse or something like that i i got the i got the dvd because i put it on that now but he asked me mark well what are you gonna want to do he goes i says well i want to be a fisherman dad he goes well you can't make a living doing that, Mark. He said, let me talk to your sister a little bit more. he come back and he said, you decided what you wanted to be now. And I said, a fisherman. He goes, a doctor, lawyer, dentist, fireman, policeman, lawyer. You know, he just went through the whole gauntlet. Let me keep talking to your sister while you're thinking of that. he come back again. I said, I just want to be a fisherman. And he goes, man, he says, you just got to understand that you can't make a living doing this, Mark. You know, back then in those days, you couldn't make a living. There wasn't no guides really to speak of. And there was no, you know, nobody knew how to promote fishing to make a living at it for one thing. So, you know, he kind of just let it drop. And then when I won the 1990 professional walleye trail, uh, the first uh, championship, uh, I won it and I came home and my dad and Ma wanted me to come over for supper along with my wife and said, "Oh, let's sit down. And I seen this reel to reel tape sitting there behind my dad. And, you know, the old one that I, you know, seen all the years, my dad had to blow the dust off it, I think. And <laughs> it's sitting there. I'm like, "What well, what has he got that out here for? You know? And so he opens the top on it and starts it up and he goes, I just want you to listen to this soon as he started playing it it all flashed back at me that five-year-old day and i just smiled my wife's listening to it because i know what it's going to be you know and she's like laughing and you know thought that was really funny and when it was all over with my dad shut it off closed the top looked right at me and he goes mark he says maybe i was wrong I mean, for your dad to tell you that, you know, now now you're 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 pushing into your your thirties almost, and your dad twenty some years went by, and he never forgot that reel to reel tape himself, and he remembered me telling him that, but he also knew how much I liked fishing, and he probably liked it just as much as I did, and probably wanted to do what I did, but there wasn't no opportunity back then. But I made my own opportunity, and that's what I tell kids nowadays. I said, when I go to career day at schools, I'm the professional athlete. I said, <laughs> don't let anybody ever tell you you can't do anything. You live in America, you can be anybody, anything you want to be, and remember that.
0: Mark, when people are looking at uh, becoming a professional fisherman, you did an interview a number of years ago and gave some really, four really key points you know, and I think this is really important for people to listen to because is a gentleman that's had over $400,000 in tournament earnings. Not that you're going to step out and do this, but you're getting a, an absolute top-notch pro giving you some great tips. And Mark, you said, find a niche and own it. Find a mentor, mm-hmm. adjust yep. your business model as need be. And yep. then most importantly, I think here is pass it on.
2: Right. Exactly. You know, you, and that's, what I still believe today. And, you know, and, and that's kind of basically, you know, my grandpa, like I was saying, my grandpa and dad got me into it. And and then I, I had to go earn a living. You know, I had to punch a clock. I had to go and make some real money because I didn't know how to become just a fisherman that made money. And then uh, as I grew up, I worked at a bait shop and I became the kid at the bait shop that knew a lot about fishing. And so I had a lot of adults coming in and asking me and I learned from them. They learned from me. And then I, you know, they kept me into fishing and, and then I went and worked in the shops and sweated and was a welder tool and die and kept my day job, and but then I was getting laid off all the time, you know, and, and finally I, I realized it, a time came because more and more people knew I got older that I caught lots of big walleyes at night. I mean, that was, you know, and so but I wouldn't take nobody out because I knew I had to have a captain's license, period, to make money. That's where it started, and I didn't want to do it under the table. didn't want to break the law. And so I just wouldn't do it, <clears throat> but I would go fishing and take my friends and word of mouth, you know, that was kind of like that, um, I could pull a rabbit out of a hat because while I were very hard to catch and and I didn't have no problem at doing it because I practiced for all these years since I've been a little kid. And so I got my captain's license while I was getting laid on and off or working and not working and collecting unemployment. I, Got my captain's license. I, the very first time I went to take it, I passed it. I studied on my own. I didn't go go to any classes. I and I I, I it took me about four or five months before I was confident enough that I could answer the questions. They're gonna. I didn't know what they were. I just knew a lot of things that I read and they told me to read and and stuff. So I I studied and went in. I passed it the first time and. And so now I started to take people out and, and catch fish and I knew I needed, I didn't have the money to advertise, but I knew now I've taken out the majority of people that wanted me to take them out. They are like ecstatic. They kept coming back, you know, but you know, I need, I, if I'm going to make a living at this, you need to do it every day, you know? So I, I, I'm working, you know, and I'd go back to work and then I'd be off again. So when I was off, I'd ply the trade, so I involved Michigan Outdoors Television, Fred Trost. I mean, I watched the show just like everybody. Michigan Outdoors was a weekly outdoor TV program. Oh, yeah. You know, that was the standard. You know, everybody watched it from Morton F. to Fred Trost, you know, to present-day Jimmy Gritzinger right now. I seen what they were showing, and it always amazed me that they'd catch these small little walleyes, if they even caught one. They'd say they're going, and if they caught one, it was a major success. And most of the ones they were always showing on TV were what I would feel. Ill, they were illegal to barely legal. And I'm like, really? Yeah, they and were these people, they're excited. Yeah, they were excited about this. They were, But they were showing people how to catch them. I went in. I think I knew how to get some attention. Anyhow, I, then I knew I needed to get attention in order to grow my business so I entered one of my muskie that I caught was a master angler. I entered one of my walleye, which wasn't that hard to get one to be a master angler. only had to be eight pounds back then. I caught them on a nightly basis if I wanted to. And so I entered them, you know, and, and Fred Trost had a, every year, you know, master angler program. They'd bring on, you know, people that caught master angler fish and all like that, kind of like big buck night, you know. So I went on that and and uh, brought in my fish, and they're kind of like, "Oh man, you know and i and and on top of it, I'd have oh, you know, I'd register a lot more fish you know that I didn't bring mounted, I'd bring you know, and they'd be like wow you you had that many master anglers this year of that, yeah, 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 that's not that hard. Well, after the show would be over, Bob Garner and I got struck it up into a conversation. I said, "You want to go catch some of these big ones like this, Bob?" And he heard it all before. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, we'd like to go do that." And Fred's listening. He goes, "Yeah, you, you think you can do that?" I said, "I don't think I know I can do it. You know, I was real confident and cocky. <laughs> I was a young guy." I, says, I said, "I said that's no big deal." I said, "Yeah, I can do it." And they go, "Well, you're on." And so they heard it all the time. Everybody says that kind of stuff, and they come, and it's a big flop. They never see any fruits from it. Uh, you know, it, more often than not, it's like they're lucky to get a fish, you know. They come with me, and Fred gets his limit, Bob gets his limit, everybody gets their limit, nice big fish, you know, and and uh, we got done. Bob and I are still friend, good friends to this day. He pulls me over to the side, and he goes, he says, I had my doubts. He said, I don't have my doubts anymore about you. <laughs> he says, he says, Mark, I'm going to tell you something. He says, if you can get Fred Trost five walleyes in one night, he caught by himself. You're the best fisherman i ever seen because Fred's never caught his limit of anything yet. <laughs> 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 and Bob was taken, and he was serious as serious. And, uh, you know, he, it was funny, you know, and, and I, I started laughing and I don't even know if Fred ever, I'm sure Bob told him, you know, that he probably, that was a standing joke or something, you know, but, uh, it, it, it was funny to me. And when they aired that thing and they also did Lansing as Lansing sports show, but they are kind of like the head kingpins of Michigan outdoors with it. They said, why don't you come down to that? And. Maybe you can book some trips out of this. Well, when that show hit the airwaves and I was showing them kind of fish and <laughs> Fred was catching them, I mean, I was solidly booked the rest of the year, as much as I wanted to fish. And I, it was like, man, I don't have to worry about work again. And But I kept working so I, because I wanted things in my life and one job wasn't. I might as well burn candles at as many ends as that I can burn when you're young. I heard that, and it stuck in my head, and I said, I'm just going to keep working when I can and do my guiding all the time. And so I went into that mode of working and guiding. So I, when I did work, I work at, go to work at uh, get up at 2, be to work by 3, be out of work by 11, pick my customers up at midnight, be off the water, by six, seven o'clock, go to bed, get up at two and this way. And I mean, I was doing it seven days a week, but not work five days a week, working seven days a week guiding. And this would go on and on for nine years. And, and, uh, you know, now I was kind of working all the time. There wasn't no getting laid off. I'd developed enough seniority, but, Also, it got me notoriety with Outdoor writers, other TV shows. I mean, if word spread far and wide, this guy can kill I I literally raised the bar on Walleye in Michigan. Uh, The first year that I solidly took people out, I had 600 and some master anglers, which were over eight pounds, because that's all it was back then. The next year... They said, enough, enough, Mark, basically, we're going to raise it to nine pounds. Just to try to slow you down. Just to slow me, yeah, right. (laughs) If this one guy can make us look like fools, we're going to raise it to nine pounds and we'll see what he can do. I came back and I had 400 and some more the next year. (laughs) They went, well, he's not going to give up easy, I guess. Let's (laughs) do it again. And the next year they raised it to 10 pounds and it kind of slowed me down and, you know, it got into the, you know, a hundred and some fish over 10 pounds and they, they let it ride for a couple of years. And, and, uh, finally they just couldn't, you know, that, that was too much for them. You know, they, they couldn't have somebody just doing that. So they raised it to present day 11 pounds. Oh, that slowed me down quite a bit. By that time, I'd showed enough people how to catch fish and where to catch them that they were actually catching them and they were keeping them. So now the fish quality of fishing demise was in effect. You know, so, you know, I kind of feel sorry in some ways for what I showed, what I my grandpa and dad taught me and I taught everybody else because. They didn't know when to say when, where I grew up and wasn't able to ever keep my limit until, you know, I got old enough to be on my own. You know, they wouldn't let me when I fished. Well, there was no reason, you know, if you couldn't eat that many fish, period. But we we'd keep one a piece every time we went out, and we'd eat it. You know, my grandpa didn't like frozen fish, so that probably was the key thing: oh. fresh fish only. There you so go. we weren't only allowed to keep one every night out. You know, and we'd throw the rest back. So he was probably the early pioneer, catch and release, and conservativity. <laughs> and I came along, and I and I and I and, I, and, I, and I, I agree. I showed everybody how to do it at night and take and and prey upon the. The hardest fish to catch in the daytime, I took its most vulnerable period at night and exploited it so people could catch all these big fish the way I had been catching them, not only just in Muskegon, but in any other lake that it got dark and there's walleyes and it, it works everywhere. And, and, but now I had taken so many people on Muskegon Lake, the population started going dwindling down, but that didn't mean White Lake to the north and Manistee Lake to the north of that and Spring Lake to the, they all had fair populations. So you, I could go and fish on them if I wanted to for sure get somebody uh master angler tonight, you know, if I didn't feel I had a good enough chance on Muskegon, but that's why they're. The the fishing has kind of tapered off, but it, but it got my name out there, and I was I, I I could be as busy as that today, taking people every day. But I had re- got lots of sponsors because of that, without even fishing tournaments. I got I was Raplo was my first sponsor back in the early '80s, and they still are today. And so that's back then they used to call you. Now you got to beat on all the sponsors' doors to get them. But anyhow, I the seminar people they want they I was in demand to go speak at seminars and do seminars. I didn't know, I barely made it through school to, you know, and I hated getting up in front of the class and doing book report. Now that I'm going to be talking to ten people or a thousand, I you know it was ridiculous. And I got baptism by fire. I I got good at you know talking and communicating and. Entertaining and and teaching and in these seminars, and so I was all over. And but I read too. I watched TV, and one guy that struck my interest was Gary Roach. You know, I knew from reading and a little bit I knew about him that he came up the hard way, and he is a worker, and he, he 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 taught my language. You know, when I read his articles. And then I knew he was going to be at a seminar with me in Detroit. And so I brought a portfolio with of myself. He knew I was probably going to be there too. And so when we got there and met each other, we kind of went aside from everybody and just talked and I said, here, here's a portfolio about me. And we went out to eat that night when we were both through and we became like tight friends right at that moment because he knew I wasn't a phony and he was, he was somebody I looked up to a mentor and that's what people need is somebody like that. And he wanted me to join his group. And I said, you know, and I knew he had some things that were not conducive to me as sponsors. I'd have to get rid of some of them. I said, well, let's just wait. And a couple of years later I didn't, you know, and all of a sudden the stars aligned a lot better things fell into place, either with him or with me, and we became, I, I joined his team, which was the best thing that ever happened to me, really, and I got, and his good friend is Al Linder and the in Fishman crew, and so now I became fast friends with all them people, and and so now There's tournaments out there, and I wanted to see if I could test them. It was good enough for Gary just to have me there because I was intelligent enough and kept fish where I was, and he needed a promoter in Michigan. Well, now I wanted to fish tournaments, and I had a friend, and... You know, and Gary and he fished, you know, and the tournaments were just coming around in 85, the uh, Masters Walleye Circuits, which was called the uh, Manufacturer's Walleye Circuit back then. And I entered that and I did really good, you know, the first year, made it to the championship. Gary became more interested in me and we became, we teamed up to share knowledge at each and every event. So we both do better in our own rights of catching fish at tournaments. So, you know, and then because I'm doing well and I made the championship that year, Gary made the championship, you know, just snowballed and then got to know Al Linder better, got to know... Because he was friends with them, got over to Minnesota, got more more exposure to all across the country doing seminars. Because now they they could see I could uh, you know fish in the daytime. Well, this kid that fished at night caught big fish. You know, not only can fish at night, but he can fish in the daytime. So. That was kind of one of the things that, uh, interested everybody else. And so, and, and the rest is basically, uh, you know, I, I still kept my day job, you know, because even though I was gaining sponsors, I still needed that day job. So now it went from doing your day job from two, uh, or three, get up at two, go to work at three, get out of work. At 11, meet my customers at midnight and do that whole thing. Well, now I took all my vacation time, all my sick time, and uh, started fishing the tournament circuit so I could fish them all, all of them. So I fished all the tournament circuit. I fished, and used all of my sick days to do that, and then I, you know, worked and guided at the same time. So I had three jobs going for nine years, and somehow the good Lord kept me in good health and kept me going, so that I never missed a tournament, never missed a day of work and and i never uh you know missed a guide opportunity because unless it was bad weather and i had to reschedule so by doing all that i was starting to realize my dreams and 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 uh be able to build upon all that to, for my what i am now so and then now I'm giving back too. You know, I I got pro staff people underneath me, just like Gary had pro staff people. And so now I I try to help that new generation that's underneath me and give them a direction and get them working with the public, get them working with new outdoor writers, and TV. And and if it's if it's for them and they like it, they can continue like I did. So. I guess that's the the long and short of it. <laughs> well,
0: as you've gone forward now, let's let's fast forward a little bit to today, because uh, mm-hmm. now you're into it. You you're going hard. You 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 eventually left your day job and mm-hmm. went full time into the tournament and writing and everything else that's around right. the fishing. One thing I just want to touch upon is. The Michigan Walleye Tour just wrapped up, and Mark, you work a lot with Lund Boats, who is a major sponsor of the uh, Michigan Walleye Tour, where you fish this uh, summer. How did that tour go overall? What was uh, what were your thoughts on the tour overall?
2: Uh, the tour is great. Uh, Ernie Plant, he's one of my on my pro staff also. He is the direct tournament director of the Michigan Walleye Tour, does a fantastic job. You know, he eliminates any gray areas that people try to, it's it's all black and white in his book, which it should be. And if people try to put a gray area in there, he pretty much lets it know and there is no gray areas. So if you want to do what I said you can't do and try to make it a gray area, We will deal with it when that time comes. So you be the your own boss. I'm not telling you. I'm telling you not to do what I'm asking you. And if you want to pursue it, so he he's that no nonsense type of director that you need to make a professional uh, circuit outstanding. You know, and and so overall, all the the sites he chose uh, from the Detroit River to. Uh, Detroit Lake Erie to Houghton Lake to Alpena—they are all good choices. They are all at good times of the year, and there was fish being caught at each and every one of them. Uh, and and I know uh, for a fact that that circuit allows um, the grassroots people to get their feet wet and explore if they want to continue on to. Uh, greater things as far as uh, going to a bigger circuit, a more national circuit. But it gives them the the feeling of uh, competition, friendship, making friends, making acquaintances, And learning new techniques and methods and putting them uh, to work on different bodies of water, you know, instead of your home body of water. The Michigan Walleye Tour allows you for very little money, especially if you fish with a friend, to split the expenses, whether it's uh, food, lodging, and also the tournament expense, gas, to have an experience of tournament fishing and have a possibility to to win some money and uh, have the excitement and be like a bowling league that you're on but you're a fish you're on a fishing uh, league with your friends so i i would persuade a lot of people to enter the, the michigan walleye tour if you live in michigan or if you live in other states there's you know nebraska has a walleye trail there's uh all sorts of little walleye trails in every state now that you can take, people can take advantage of where they live to get involved in them and to further their knowledge of walleye fishing.
0: Well, Mark, and when you have somebody that comes on as a co-angler, since you're the, the captain of the boat, what do you want out of that co-angler? What's what's the best thing that somebody can do to step on that boat and, and help you and help themselves be successful?
2: Uh, just to listen to me. You know don't don't come in with um come in with your preconceived ideas of how you fish and how you would do things you know don't lose that kind of knowledge don't you know but keep it to yourself, mm-hmm. pretend that you don't pretend that you don't know anything and just do what the captain of the boat or the pro asks you to do, and that not only allows you to probably be a little more successful but allows you to maybe learn a new technique but allows you not to butt heads with somebody and you don't start out a bad relationship before you ever get going. Or during the first few minutes to hours of the the tournament you're fishing, you know, you're not necessarily, you know, maybe that way that you were thinking about talking about would be the best thing since sliced bread, but you're not supposed to do it for one thing because it's supposed to be the pro's idea So the best thing, like I say, is not to say anything. If you practice for three weeks on that body of water and catching fish, those ideas stay in your head and don't pollute the pros' head because that wasn't the pros' idea. Some pros, you know, they'll almost pump you for information, and that's not the right thing to do. You, you, and then if you go fishing with somebody, then the the next next day, you got to keep those ideas. That you probably had maybe the most fantastic day of your life fishing in Johnny Joe's boat. Now you're going into Sammy's boat uh tomorrow and you're going oh man i hope he's fishing with a number nine shad wrap and he's putting a clip on weight and he's using some church boards and you get in there and you're jigging and you know right over there 200 yards you can catch your limit by trolling shad wraps through there with planer boards in about a half hour and you're jigging and you're catching one once in a while at best and you got to sit there with your mouth full of knowledge and you can't say right, you know, a word. So it's being a co-angler, isn't that easy, you know, because you are at the beck and call of that pro. He says, this is what we're going to do. This is what you're going to do. You know, you're not going to sit there and argue with them and say, no, I, I want, I think we should do this. No, because you could get in trouble for, you know, saying, We should do this. Well, if you were on the boat today and you guys have fished together all day long and it's getting towards the end, and if you see something that you guys have learned together, now you can start, hey, you know, if he asks you, geez, what do you think? Or you go, man, can we go fish uh, jigs again across that rock pile?' Because now trolling we've only caught one, but man, you know, we caught four or five earlier in the day. What do you think? you know, do you what, and the pro might go, yeah, you know, you know we did that. You know, let's go try that. And so them are the things that a co angler. And then if you do that each and every time you're a co- angler, you're gonna learn more from that pro. Because each pro is a little different from another one, even how he does a certain method. It's not going to be exactly the same as the other one. So you take a little bit of knowledge from each and every pro you have, and you get better at it. And better at decision making, better at using the methods, better in how long to do it, and where you should apply those methods to different types of structure or bodies of water. So, by getting along with the pro and doing what he asks, you're going to realize that that you're not only the pro might even do better. If he knows you're not critiquing him and and pushing things on to him, but you're going to end up doing better, so it's a that's what I can say about a co angler and the expectations and how to conduct yourself in the boat with a pro. Uh, and then when the year's over, with you go, man, you know I learned a lot. I think I want to become a pro now because you you didn't say anything all year long and 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 use your own ideas. All year. you let the pro use. Each pro you fished with used their own ideas, and so you might have disagreed with every method at every time you used them during the year, but you went ahead and did it without cracking a a remark or anything, and you just, whatever so said you did, you acted like a robot, you did what was told. But now when you got done, you go, man, I, I got the confidence now that some of my ways that I fish I do pretty darn good, you got the confidence now, and man, I did learn more a little bit more about jigfish than I thought I, I I thought I knew a lot about it, but now I know a lot more than I did before, and trolling, man, I know a lot more about that just because you kept your mouth shut, and now being a co angler, you want to be a pro someday, and that 's how you become a pro by listening, not by talking
0: well, and the neat thing about this is from the from a person that's not the pro being me Mm -hmm. i can look out there and fish all three of the stops on the michigan walleye tour for about a thousand dollars right in entrance fees which is what you would generally spend on a maybe a a week-long fishing trip somewhere by yourself
2: where right right
0: and i don't have to provide the boat I don't have to provide the gear. All I got to do is get, what, three days of fishing in a tournament? Or yeah. two days, three days?
2: Two of, days, yeah. Two yeah. days
0: of uh, one-on-one guided fishing knowledge from pros. Right, right. What a deal.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, and so why would you spend any kind of money and get in the boat and think you're going to teach the pro? Right. And, <laughs> and on top of that,
0: I can win money as a co-angler as well.
2: Right. You can win money as a co-angler. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, it's a no-brainer to me. I wasn't offered that comp- kind of competition when I started. There wasn't no such thing as that. You were immediately thrust into the spotlight as a pro. You were always a pro. You didn't have a, a farm league to come up as a co-angler. When you went and fished the tournament, you entered in your own boat, you entered with maybe a friend if it was a team tournament or, or went, you were the pro and you you, you got a, a co-angler along. The, in fact, when we first started, even the professional walleye trail, it was pro against pro. So when they drew, they they drew. So there might have been 100, 150 pro boats to start with. Okay, each and every one of them had their own boat. And the tournament started, and your names went into the hat, and you were two names were drawn out, you and somebody else. Well, you fished together, but you fished what your fish that you caught stayed in this part of the live well, and the fish that they caught stayed in this part of the live well. You helped each other get your limit and net them, but you were actually in the same boat fishing against each other.
0: And how does that
2: work? Oh, I'm sorry. Not, not, not very good. <laughs> I was going to say with,
0: with the new with the Michigan Walleye Tour, is it the say the best five fish in the boat now, or?
2: Yeah, you know, you 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 uh, you can you can call because it's Michigan. Some states don't allow it, so if you're a co angler and you're out in the, uh, you know, say Wisconsin, the, every fish you catch that you put in the live well does not come back out. Oh, so you okay. y- you could be done relatively fast if you put five in the live well right away, you're done. Where in Michigan, so you got to adhere to all the rules and regulations of every state, whether it's how many rods or how many fish you can have and the size limits of all the fish. And then they may put stipulations on different tournaments of if you got live fish or dead fish. If you got dead fish, you might get a huge penalty. If you got live fish, you get, uh, and there's no bonus, but you didn't lose anything, you know. So, uh, you know, and then in some tournaments now, like the AIM circuit, you have uh, just measurements, you know. So you never keep any fish in the boat.
1: And, oh, okay. And you
2: throw, throw them right back in. So I fished the AIM circuit oh, wow. for for I don't know how many years that was. We we started, it was right after the professional walleye trail. It took the place of the professional walleye trail, and we knew because it was all pros, we knew the pitfalls and we developed a system that's still up and running today in of, of many states, you know, where you take a picture on a judge bump board a certain way and hold it up. And then you got, and you just record the measurement of that fish and throw it back in. You could catch it again later. Oh. And if you want to record it again, you, you just, you know, if you can tell the difference, but the can't by taking pictures of it and clicking it off on a golf card they know which pictures to look at on the computer and automatically those pictures you chose go right into a database of like fingerprints so they can see if that if you have a duplication of that fish in your five fish
1: oh interesting you
2: know, yeah so now, if you got a duplication of that same fish in your five fish, they might call you up on the carpet for that <laughs> sure yeah and 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 of course, there's always a uh, reason you know they'll separate you and your co or you and your pro or co angler and uh you go up there and they they ask you and then they have your partner come up separate, and they find out that well she. Yeah, he caught the fish, you know, in two hours apart, even shows it in the picture that the time isn't right. So we know he didn't keep it in the boat and they both came up with the same stories. So, you know, yeah. and so, then sometimes I realized because one had a scar on it, sometimes that I would catch it again, maybe not the same day. Sometimes, sometimes it was the next day because you didn't keep that fish and take it 20 miles back to the weigh-in. That fish is always right there. Right. And so you catch that fish today, two hours later in the same day, if that fish is still hot. If you took, caught it, put it on the measure board, held it up, put it back in the water, and you didn't freak it out too much, and it's still hot to trot to bite, nothing saying you can't catch it again in two hours or less.
0: That would be interesting to catch them. Again and again, that's a fish that wants to go into the fryer if you ask me
2: right exactly and and, and being in the aim tournament you just gotta keep throwing them back and take pictures of them uh, I remember the first time we started doing came up with that and they sent us to Canada uh, Daryl Christensen measured a seven which was a, a 20 I think it was a 27 incher seven times in three days The oh, wow. same. The same fish, but he fished the same bridge abutment all three days and that fish never left and he caught it sometimes two, three times a day, sometimes twice a day, sometimes only once, you know, <laughs> but he caught that fish every day, you know, and then people were thinking, oh, these old feet, they finally went and started filming them and got them on film catching it two times. <laughs> You know, so, you know, it was, uh, anything's possible when you're fishing, when you're letting fish go, people think, oh, you're not going to catch that fish again, or it gets off the line and breaks the line or it just gets off period. They don't have a clue what happened. They'll turn around, grab the next thing right by them.
0: Have you ever caught a fish that's got dangling line or anything out of it?
2: Oh, yeah, lots of times. I caught them with my own lure out of it. (laughs) You know, so, yeah, you know, it's happened so many times. But, no, I've fished, you know, for this many years uh, with this many circuits, doing so many different rules and regulations. Um, I think the best rules and regulations, the ones that are least invasive, is the AIM circuit where you catch a fish, you measure it, take a picture, it goes back in all within less than a minute, and that fish goes right back to eating and in the same place where if you take them from one place, put them in your live well, beat them up across three foot ways for 20 miles, and then they try to let them go again, it don't always work. And plus, now you let them go out of the picnic table you were just sitting at and sitting you out in the Sahara Desert, because (laughs) now... Just because it's water and they can live and breathe doesn't mean that they're going to find fish fast or food fast enough that they aren't going to starve anyhow.
0: Yeah, that's that's actually a neat way to keep your fishery going is by just doing the catch and release with the fi- with the pictures.
2: Right, and and the next day I'd go back to my spot, and I know all the fish that I caught yesterday are still here today, so there's no. I know I'm. I, I'm not taking them 20 miles away and releasing them 20 miles away. So there's, they, there's no attrition here.
0: It again, it keeps the it keeps that population from getting just decimated with right. you know tournament anglers keeping the fish and right. allows it to be a, a productive uh, fishery for years and years and years.
2: Right. And 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 the and the people that live on the bodies of water around that area. They come out, they love it, because they see you catching the fish, that which they don't like, but they see you throwing it back in, and they're like, yeah, cool, what are you doing that for? You know, they know you're a tournament fish, and they go like, well, why didn't you keep that one? Well, I did. It's on the card right here. <laughs> it's on this camera right here.
0: Yes. Yeah, really. And where's that AIM tournament at? Where where's that...
2: in north and south dakota wisconsin and minnesota right now it was in michigan for one year but for some reason it didn't didn't click on as well you know not saying they won't bring it back but and um you know your your live well now becomes dry storage (laughs) Uh,
0: yeah well (laughs) speaking of that now i want to kind of switch gears here for a bit mark and talk about stuff that you do um, beside, outside of the you know the fishing tournaments. Yeah. Uh, you know you have a website. It's markmartins.net, and yep. people can head over there to read articles that you've written, listen to other shows you've been on, watch videos. Mm-hmm. But you also have books and yep. videos that are for sale. Now, I, I got the year-round walleyes from you a number of years ago, and that's a great yep. book uh, with your buddy Gary Roach doing the foreword yep. of it. Um, yeah but you've got how to fish for walleye at night a video on that yeah and then a book on pro walleye tactics so yeah. if people really want to learn from you besides just listening to shows like this and listening to mike avery's show where you make a, a number of appearances you've got the materials there for them to to pick your brain so to speak
2: oh yeah yeah you know they can go to the Website and they can order off the web- website with PayPal and they'll get to me and I'll autograph it for them and and get it get it sent out whether it's a uh, a DVD or whether it's a a, a book uh, you know and they, there's a variety of different they can go to my Facebook sites you know and and uh, look up Mark Martin or they can go to Mark Martin Fishing and like it and they're gonna see stuff i just did this weekend with the lake trout they're gonna they're gonna they can look back years and see all a lot of the walleye they can see the ice fishing schools that i do the open water schools that i do they can you know on facebook there you know how far do you want to keep scrolling back is is um you're going to see what what's been done over the years and catch up on some of that stuff. Uh, it's all informative. It's all educational. You know, t- and timely, if you go back at the same time of year as it is right now, ne- last year, the year before, the fish are going to be in the same bodies of water doing the same thing that I'm talking about in the Facebook stuff. And they also are going to be on the Mark Martins, uh, you know, and you got with on my webpage, it's Mark Martins with an S dot net and they look that up there but facebook they can start right there and look up a lot of stuff right there ask a lot of questions of me and then you can go to you know google my name mark martin walleye and you can get to my fishing vacation schools and you can look up my phone numbers you can look up my uh when the classes are you can look up how to buy books and videos
0: And in the show notes of this, uh, I'm going to have links to your websites, your Facebook pages, uh, everything that's related, so the listeners be able to jump right out there. And what I want to talk about, Mark, and you brought it up, is, okay, so I've gone out and I've co-angled maybe a couple of tournaments, soaked up some knowledge, but as anybody knows, Michigan is also covered with snow and ice for a big number of the years, and you do both in this case, an ice fishing school and how to catch walleye through the ice, and I'm sure anything else that bites, as well as you do a summer school on fishing walleye on... Is it Lake Michigan or is it Inland Lakes that you do that school?
2: Well, we, we this year we did only one because of time constraints. Uh was on the Saginaw River in Saginaw Bay, and it was a mini camp of one day, and I incorporated it with the DNR, and we we had like um, 28 people sign up for like one day of classroom education and, and equipment and have them bring their own equipment, get that rigged up correctly for them and listened to, um, you know, uh, seven, eight pros that had the knowledge. And and over the course of the one day, everybody did a seminar. Everybody talked about different techniques. And then the next day, everybody was allowed to bring one rod onto every boat, you know, and we drew for pros, you know, to to, uh, students. And each boat got, you know, three to four uh, students in it and they all had, got to fish with their rod the way they wanted to fish for one hour and a lot of things that we did out there pretty soon they wanted you know okay we'll use your equipment because we're you know we see this is going to really work good today trolling lead core really caught a lot of fish and Some guys didn't bring lead core, and then they wish they did because now it turned into a free-for-all lead core bite. So um, they learned what's happening at that time, but we go through all the methods, and we catch fish on every method. But one method would usually stand out as being superior. So we, we did one open water school this year in Saginaw. We'll probably do one or two next year. And then we're, um, you know, Ice Fishing School, they, they can look that up on, you know, the, the Fishing Vacation School website, and they'll see all the dates and times. And we teach them how to catch walleye through the ice, but at the same time, you can't keep the brown trout, rainbow trout, the sturgeon, the pike, the muskie, the burbot, the sunfish, the bluegill, the crappie. They're all going to come in. Once we teach you how to attract the fish in, It attracts fish in. It don't just attract walleyes. So get ready to catch fish in the wintertime, and we teach you how to use your GPS, how to use your Navionics, how to use your fish finder, how to use everything that you spent all this good money on all these years, how to use it better than you have been using it to get your money out of it, how to walk in a bait shop and choose the right lures off the wall instead of letting the salesman choose them for you and maybe you can teach the salesman or the owner more about what he has on the wall after you fish a school because you're going to have more knowledge than most of those salespeople do when you, after one of the the camps that you you come and fish in these schools, you're going to have a lot of knowledge. You're, you're getting knowledge, of, like an ice fishing school, you got over a few, you know, 400 years with all the Or maybe more than that, of knowledge from all these pro staff. And if you take advantage of not just me, but every pro staff that's there, you're going to walk away with so much knowledge and look at so much equipment, not just Lorences like I use. There could be hummingbirds and vexillars and, you know, garments and, you know, everything's there. But we teach you each pro knows maybe more about one certain thing than another and we teach you how to use your equipment, or, oh, man, I, I really want to get one of these Lorances now that I've seen one. Well, then we teach you which one you probably should be looking at for your capabilities. And, wow, I better you know download on my phone these Navionics. And we make sure that's a requirement in our, our schools, as everybody downloads the Navionics app so that When we talk or anybody talks in the school, you know, they know where John's point is. You know, they got their own textbook in their hand. So when we're going over things, when we're talking about the river channel, we're talking about the the rock pile out in Saginaw. Everybody knows where it is because they brought it up on their uh, cell phone and can see it. So now we talk about it. We just, you know, attacked it. All of us did and some people caught them doing this, this, and this, you know, and and now everybody knows where everybody's talking about, or maybe this guy fished over here off a point, and he talks about what they did over there, well, everybody knows what point it is, but if somebody, if you didn't have Navionic apps on your phone, and somebody brought that up, what point, where was that rock pile, you know, but when you can Pinpoint everything. And the nice thing about having Navionic apps, not only for us to have a textbook in everybody's hands when we're going through classroom discussions, is when we're out on the body of water and you have your own boat, you have your own snowmobile, four-wheeler for the ice, We can you ask us, well, where should we go? and we'll pull out your, your smartphone, bring up the Navionics apps, and go, well, we're here right now. And, you know, those guys are catching fish over there. And see that inside turn right there where they're sitting? Well, yeah, on the map you can see it, but looking at their shanties visually, you don't see that. Well, you now you, you know what they're fishing. Go over on the other side of that point. See the other little indentation, just like they're fishing here? Go over there. And now they just get on their little four-wheeler or snowmobile, got their smartphone in their hand, drive right over to that other little nookie on the other side of the point that looks just like where those other guys drill holes. I'll be there in 45 minutes, see how you're doing. If you start doing <laughs> something before I get there, call me.
0: Oh, awesome. All right, so let's look at this. So could you talk a little bit about the, the boats and what somebody would look for, maybe on their first uh, walleye fishing boat?
2: Well, what what they want on their first walleye fishing boat, now that they've fished a few tournaments, have a few years under their belt, you know, and they, they've narrowed it down to, say, a, a Lund, you know, something that, you know, now they've got to decide, well, do I want a glass Lund? Because now they have glass Lunds, which are phenomenal. Or do I want an aluminum Lund, which has been around forever and ever? Some people say, well, you know, glass is better than aluminum because there's rivets and rivets will fall out. Well, hey, you know, that is not a factor in there. You know, a lot of things can happen to a lot of different boats and... I personally, because I run a big Lund, and I, if you choose apples to apples, size to size, you know, some people say, well, the glass rides smoother, and this, um, not the case. You know, I, I got a lot of co-anglers that were surprised about, oh, you know, their heart and dead set on, on having a glass, and they get into my Lund, and they it's aluminum, and they go, oh, this is a glass Lund, huh? I'm going, nah, no, it's an aluminum. Really? It's riding pretty smooth and quiet and cuts through the waves. And yeah, you yeah. know, I said, no, this is aluminum. Tap on the side, look at the rivet. Oh, my gosh, it is. Well, you know, that just pops their bubble that everybody else has instilled in their head that, glass ride smoother and quieter it's all personal preference it's not you know one you're not going to get a better ride out of one boat than you are the other well you're going to get a better ride out of a bigger boat than you are a smaller one of the same kind so you got to decide how big do you want to get in order to get that comfort level there and the person driving the boat is the biggest concern over your comfort level maybe the guy knows how to drive it and trim it You're going to have the best ride in that same boat, or this guy that just bought this boat because he thought it was cool, and he just hammers it right down because it's a Sherman tank, he thinks, and you start glancing off the cross, the five-foot waves at 45 miles an hour, that same boat that you were just in love with, you're going to hate, because (laughs) now he's driving it out of control. Yeah, it's going to work, it's going to drive, but it's out of control, and somebody's going to get hurt in it, and and you've got to learn how to drive each boat. So not only just getting a boat, you know, what's your personal preference? Lund has glass and Lund has aluminum. you got to make that decision, but remember, either or is the same size boat rides the same as the other one. One might be just the only weight difference. And if anybody tells you that their boat is dry, they must have a rain jacket on or rain pants, because <laughs> I—I only dry boats I know are cabin cruisers when they keep the windows and doors shut. <laughs> you know, very true. Otherwise, they—they they're, can tell you that stuff. It must be a selling point they've used since boats ever came on the market that our boats dry well. It just ain't true. You know, it depends on who's driving it, how they're driving it, and what weather are you in driving it, you know. So I I tell people what they really need, too, is, you know, what electronics get them set up right. Your rod holders, they need to be at where your, you know, fingertip level, your the like electronics got to be on the dash, they got to be on the bow. Your electric motors that you choose should be, you know, heavy enough and and, uh, have 12 volts for small boats, 24s for mid-boats. The best ones you can get are 36 volts. they last a lot longer, and they have more power for a longer duration of time. So if, uh, you know, you get a bigger boat, you should never underpower it, for one thing. Look at what the horsepower rating is on it. Same thing with your electric. Bigger boats need bigger motors, more, uh, you know, 36-volt for 20-foot boats and even 18-foot boats. You need the power out there to um, work the waves that you're going to be in. Long shafts, not short shafts, for uh, deep Vs, you know, and um, for most any boats, as long as that electric trolling motor stays in the water, It can go anywhere, maintain its direction, but you buy one that has a shaft popping up and out of the water, losing control, it's not going to be a real good deal. It's not going to be a very good day. But if you have underpower on your horsepower on your main combustible engine, that's another bad thing because now you you bought a boat because the price point was right and you saved $3,000. Well, now you're going to, you know, that... It's a minimal motor that can barely get you up on plane, but once you get up on plane, you got to run it wide open just to stay up on plane. And so now you wear that engine out. You use more gas than you would one that had 100 more horsepower because that one with 100 more horsepower jumps up out of the water, back it off to where it's just barely running. So now you're not wearing that engine out. You're not using more gas than you should be using now it becomes a more economical motor by the time the summer's over you save probably a thousand dollars and probably another thousand dollars in wear and tear on on that motor so in the end in two years that 100 or horsepower more motor you just got your money back plus if you keep it more years it just keeps paying you because you're just basically now if you got uh, an under horsepower boat and you're always running it wide open. Now a big storm comes in, and you want to race the storm back. That extra 100 horse that should be on that boat gets you back before you you got in the storm. The other one, you're riding the storm back.
0: Which, for anybody that's done that, is not enjoyable.
2: No. I don't (laughs) don't care
0: how much you like the water, getting caught in a storm— is nowhere anywhere near being enjoyable
2: no no exactly in your freshwater
0: class mark are you going to go over all that stuff with people so that they have a kind of a checklist or so when they go out to look for a boat that they know what they're looking at
2: well we make sure before they even go out on the water that's why we have classroom the first day we look over their boat take them to a marina if we deem necessary and get it set up right get their transducers put in the right place move their rod holders around into the right areas move their electronics into the the place where they're actually going to do them some good you know just make sure that when they do go out on monday morning or whatever it may be for the first time we know they're going to be able to handle the situation we're going to put them in with their own boats cuz open water they use all their own equipment except for the last day. Then we allow them to come into our boat. Oh, okay. Uh, for for the last day, to, because they they're intimidated by a pro's boat because they only got a fourteen foot or a sixteen foot or a seventeen, and here you're dealing twenty foot boats or what somewhere near that that intimidates people, and uh, and they think oh it's just way too much boat oh man all of a sudden they're the one driving the boat. They're the one operating it, and they realize, man, that wind really didn't blow this near that big. That's, this is easier to run than my boat because I'm all over the place. The waves are knocking me around. The wind's blowing me all over the place. I don't have a big enough drone motor. Even I, I cheaped out on that, too, because I just wanted to say I had one. I cheaped out on a combustible just to get to where I wanted to, you're if you use that analysis on a boat that you're going to buy that you just want to get by you're just going to get by but you're going to be a sad uh, participant in the sport because you're not going to be able to uh enjoy that sport very much because you're going to run out of if you you should have had a 36 volt instead of 24 your buddy with 36 bolts because of the wind picked up and the waves got a little bigger, uh, you know, still fishing and you're not, you know, all of a sudden the wind picks up he, because he bought a long shaft electric trolling motor and you, because it was 50 bucks cheaper, you got the 45 inch shaft instead hmm. of a 60 inch. You can't even keep it in the water, so you're not even fishing anyhow. There's a lot of things that to think about, and we run them by each and every person, and they see how our boats are set up. So if we can't actually set them up right there on site, we'll do as much as possible. They can make notes. They can see what our boats look like and where everything is placed, make changes when they get home the right way instead of guessing and by golly on it.
0: They they could end up, the the difference in the horsepower could mean they're regulated to just fish in inland rivers and small inland lakes. Right. right. Uh, because and that's can, all their yeah. boat can really handle.
2: Right. Now you put, you know, the number of people that that boat actually can uh, fish when it's fully horsepowered up. You don't even know them extra people are in there under power at once. And it's like you got oars on the thing. <laughs> Can't even get out of its own wake. You'll never see up on plane.
0: You know, this time is flown by mark you know and i want to be respectful of your time as you've just gotten home you've you've provided so much great information and again i'm going to have tell everybody hit the show notes i'll have all of mark's contact information you want to fish walleye you want to fish in general this is the guy that'll teach you you know it's it's been fantastic mark uh, i look forward to you know we could do a whole topic just on ice fishing there's so much information that you could glean (laughs) or the fresh water um so i tell folks go out and get the pro tactics of the walleye book get the year-round walleye that's that one is really good and a lot of what mark talked about is touched upon in that book and uh so that's a really good spot to start uh the dvd if you want to fish at night
1: mm
2: -hmm. yeah that's excellent i mean that's a I, 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 somebody that wants to get into all this just like you said jason you know i i i'm no guy that did it wrong you don't need to do it wrong if you use all the information i provide i'll short circuit that so that you go out and enjoy your time on the water instead of making yourself more miserable
0: well there there you go right from the the pro itself uh start at his website mark martins with an s M A R K M A R T I N S dot net. And there's just you'll spend more time on that website than you can even imagine with the absolute amount of information that Mark's got there. And then the links to all of uh Mark's sponsors are just a who's who list of of people you wanna look at. So Mark again, I can't can't even just tell you how much I appreciate the time you've given today, uh and the information you've given and it was so good i'm so used to listening to you uh through all the different shows and everything you've been on and uh you know i think i i think fred trost is probably the first spot i saw you and (laughs) so and then up through mike avery's spot so again i really appreciate all the time you've given today
2: hey no problem i try to give everybody a little piece of me and and that's all I can do. You know, if I if I can touch somebody somewhere, someplace, and they're a little better for it, I've done my job.
0: Well, you've said it all. This is this has been fantastic. And, again, I can't thank you enough for your time.
2: Well, appreciate it. And, Jason, anytime you want to do another one, you know how to get a hold of me. And uh, to all your listeners, uh, thanks for tuning in and hope to see you on the water or ice. Either one
0: either one yeah, either catch one. the eyes
2: <laughs> that's right
0: <laughs> you take care
2: you too jason Thank take you. care bye-bye
3: come early spring it's getting green fisher on the bed and hear those turkeys gobble it's rained in my head. The winter rides fast, but here comes another year. Yeah, we command the outdoors around here. Oh, we command the outdoors. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Come summertime, we're feeling fine Fishing on the lake Flipping jigs and Carolina rigs From early morning till real late Bonfires on the creek bank Kick back a couple beers Yeah, we command the outdoors around here Yeah, we... Yeah, we command the outdoors Next year's doves until you know winter's on the way Brushing blinds and deer stands The fever starts to creep Fill our freezers full of ducks, lots of tender deer Yeah, we command the outdoors Outdoors around here Yeah, we, we Command the outdoors Yeah, we, we Command the outdoors So grab your guns and shells, boys Put on your camouflage Cause we command the outdoors round here We command the outdoors